welcome to the Teacher Squad podcast, episode six. Woo! Oh, so what are we chattering and nattering about this week? Well, I'm going to be talking about spiky legs and sandy toes, Jay. Ooh, toes. Oh, they come back, I see. Um, <laughs> we're talking about, is it Electric Dreams by the Human League or Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush? Oh, I love a bit of Kate Bush. Uh, I'm going to talk about the fact that uh, nearly 30% of children are affected by poverty in this country and the attainment gap and rising and we're not closing it what are we going to do about it and i want to make a mention for star sailors and ink drinkers oh can't wait for that shall we uh, get going then yeah intriguing stuff pondering on your nice poem from last week in 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 the wonder of words and uh, I thought I would like to just say some think about nice things that our teacher squad listeners have done it's been really nice to receive some lovely emails and messages this week about our our podcast how nice is that yeah I've got a podcast cuddle this week as well Ah, it was good. It was like just like a rubbing of some middle-aged tits together. <laughs> uh, do I need to worry as a podcast wife? <laughs> Maybe. Dunno. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I th- I wanted to just give a shout out for their niceness yeah. uh, to Vanessa Morley at the Kerno English Hub because she sent a nice email about the podcast and Joan Nucky who uh, works for the National Literacy Trust who would sent us a lovely email as well so yeah it's good to be nice isn't it yeah and um before we do gratitude Jane yeah. um I just want to take you around the world a little bit if that's that's all right do it. um well this is niceness as well because um our gorgeous teacher listeners all their hard work listening, I mean, it must be hard work listening to us too, um, has got us into some of the podcast education charts. Would you like to know where? Yeah. Put a donk on it, Ian. Have you got a sound effect for that? (laughs) Bit late, producer. Right, he's rubbish. Carry on, Heather. Rubbish. Needed a bit of warning. Right, here we go. So we've been in the education podcast charts. Better late than never, mate. (laughs) In... The GB charts, woohoo. We've also been... (laughs) (laughs) Overkill. Oh, this could be fun. Um, We've been to New Zealand. And we have also been to Luxembourg. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a bit lame. Could you actually put a pin on where Luxembourg is? I feel like I don't know where it is properly in the world, but I'm, I'm grateful for people listening. I'm grateful. I did an A-level in geography. Wouldn't have a clue. But thank you, Luxembourg. And anybody else in their car driving to or from work, we truly do appreciate it. And um, definitely do. Yeah. um, I'm getting better at this gratitude stuff. Um, And um, I regularly, and this is a a really kind of feel-good moment for me, you might think it sounds morbid, but okay, just roll with it. 
I have, I've got a Spotify account, which is called Soundtrack of Our Lives. And it is um, Ian and I's, you know, we've been married 29 years. No, no, rubbish. We've been together 29 years. We've been married 26. But on our 25th anniversary, um, we sat down and, and made a file on Spotify that was the songs and music of our whole life. Um, you know, what songs meant things, um, you know, we, that marked kind of sad and joyous moments. You know, we've got uh, Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush, High and Dry by Radiohead, Daft Punk, Something About Us, Together in Electric Dreams, Human League. And it it was this recognition that our kids sort of know, sort of know our favourite songs, but yeah. when we die, will they know all of them? And it's like it's like a little space of musical heritage. And um, you know, when we were together early early on, we used to hand each other tapes and, and sort of Make sure they didn't crease, you know, with pencils, you know, actual tapes. And we recorded and he'd always send me Luther Vandross. And I'm like, all right, mate. <laughs> and, but we'd share them and we'd name them, you know, like thinking of you or whatever, any like little cheesy things like that. And then they turned into CDs because we actually fell in love touring round Ireland, like west coast oh. of Ireland. And um, there's not much to do in Ireland in many parts. And it was just like what was on you know, the songs we cared about as we were driving around. And um, we got very emotional on our 25th wedding anniversary and uh, we just cuddled each other and listened to our um, musical commentary. And, um, yeah, I just, that's what I'm going to leave my kids when I die. And... um, I'm sure they'd like your house instead, but you know. oh, they can sod off. I'm going to sell that and <laughs> go wild <laughs> before I croak it. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's you know it's like a symphony of everything we care about. You know, our life events, and I don't know. I just think as well, like more people should do this, like two best friends or you know two siblings. But I also think there should be soundtracks of a school. Do you know what I mean? This is St. Peter's and St. Paul's soundtrack, you know, songs we like, songs that have meaning. for days when the grass is jewelled. Well, surely that's on a school. I can't sing, but I'll give it a good bloody go. meeting in the air to be refuelled and the things I love so well. Anyway, yeah. The soundtrack of a school, do you know what I mean? Drowning by Backstreet Boys or Help by the Beatles. I don't know. But um, yeah, depends what term it is. You need music. I don't mean in the staff room all the time, but we need a space where, like, there's the sofa and there's the chatty and the cuddling. And, you know what I mean? Professional love and some music. Why isn't there more music in school? Just like music can always turn stuff around, don't you reckon? Yeah. So you're grateful yeah. for music, Jane? Is that what you're telling me? Well, that's a bit over the top and a bit ridiculous. I'm just you grateful for that little. <laughs> Thank you for the music. <laughs> I hate ABBA. I'm putting it out there. Ah. Hate Soz. I oh, hate well, ABBA. We're, we're not going to get in the Swedish charts now, are we? You just, <laughs> Shit. You know. <laughs> I've just ruined Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs>
like listening to your gratitude. I'm not always sure whether we can classify it as gratitude, but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours? What's yours, love? Well, well, in what in one of your sentences of the week, you talked about self care and what that looks like, and you said, you know, you judge it by somebody's toe cuticles. Yes. And um, and I was thinking, don't don't judge. Don't judge it by my toe cuticles. Judge it by if I've got sand between my toes. That's when I know that I'm happy. And what I'm grateful for since the last recording is a friend who urged me to get up early, go down to the beach for half past seven and have a cold swim. Whoa. With the beautiful sunrise. Oh, Jay. Kept my woolly hat on. Just because it was beautiful. And I'm grateful for that. I put a post on Facebook to uh, say, with the beautiful photograph of the sunrise, and said, oh, cold morning, beautiful cold morning swim, done. And then a few people were kind of like, who has hacked Heather's account? She never gets up early. (laughs) So counteracted it with a big lie in the next day. But, yeah, I'm grateful for friends who nudge you yeah. in the right direction so and have you, you ever done that before in cornwall um yeah i've done a little bit before yeah, yeah. it's nice when it's you come amazing. and visit me in cornwall jane yeah. you can come and have an early morning beach swim i don't know how i feel about that it's a bit urgent in it it's a bit like you know <laughs> naught to 180 degrees it's a bit yeah. Oh, it's nice. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I think the yeah. interesting thing about things like cold water swimming, I know it is really good for you. I know there are loads of benefits and uh, I'd love to, you know, trip them off my tongue now when I can't think of them. But um, what I absolutely adore about things like cold showers and cold water swimming, even though I've never done cold water swimming, is that you are warm for the rest of the day. It's really weird, isn't it? You, you regulate your body temperature much better. Yeah, it just gives you a nice feeling as well. Yeah. When I was thinking about this and sharing it with you, I did think that we're quite different in what self-care looks like for us. Yeah. And I thought I'd share a, um, a self-care school story. Yeah, um, do it. <laughs> and, uh, this, is, this is from back in the early days of teaching. I think it was my second year of teaching and my... Um, team leader and um, she was my NQT mentor as well his son was in my year one class I think it was year one and he said to her uh, mom uh, I like sitting next to Mrs Wright uh, I like I like rubbing her leg you know and he sat there with the big book because we used to have loads of big books then didn't we oh yeah and he used he used to give me leg a little stroke as I was, as I was reading and he said I like stroking her legs <laughs> So always a bit spiky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you and me are so different on the self care spectrum, babe. Believe you me. <laughs> are you smoother than smooth, Jane? <laughs> yeah, you can have a feel of these. I'll tell no, you what. I'm, I silky. am the kind of girl. No, I'm the kind of girl that goes. Oh, do you know when there was like that bit of sun? last week and you go oh yeah let's roll my trousers up and have a paddle and you look down and there's just some hairy cankles and you just have to own it and, and deal with it <laughs> <laughs> have 
I overshared? I feel like we no, should move on. No, I love, I, I think, yeah, got off a bit of oversharing. But, you know, this is why we've come together in this beautiful Venn diagram of um, talking to each other because we are so different and opposites attract and I like that. I really Absolutely. do like it. Well, I tell you what, I've been thinking ever such a lot this week about, um, well, I think about my job loads anyway. I've got to actually sometimes timetable self-care. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I even have things in my diary that say relax. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody relax. Like it's Uh, a switch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I really care about reading, writing and unfortunately for me spelling because it is a tragic crisis around the country but don't even get me started on spelling but I got excited this week in the classroom because um, we were talking about etymological chunks of words and Ooh, um, nice. I, and I think I just I- got goosies then <laughs> <laughs> and, and locked in locked in astronaut you know when you break it down for kind of the core you know little chunks of meaning astronaut means and I just got couldn't stop thinking about it means star sailor star sailor isn't it great star sailor and I've been thinking about (laughs) stars and um, and then in relation to reading, because I'm either thinking about reading, writing or spelling. That's that's my life. And yeah. uh, I know you care about reading. Uh, and in particular, this is how I feel. Let, I'm just going to be straight now, how I think about reading. We have sorted phonics, haven't we? I know you might be yeah. choosing your scheme. You might be judging around the edges. We've sorted phonics. Like, like we are way ahead of the USA. We've sorted it and we've sorted it for a long time. And um, that that's going great I think in the main but what needs much more work on uh, and this isn't even reading for pleasure or commitment whatever word you want to use the bit that still isn't sorted I don't think is comprehension and reading to learn and there's so much more we need to do to sharpen it up so my sentence and I'm going to try and sum it up and it's not been easy um, okay. and it It might sound a bit overly poetic, but I just want to explain myself. Um, To read widely and vastly builds an expansive schematic constellation in people's minds. Sorry about that, babe. I like that. Come on, then. Tell me more. Tell me. I agree, but tell me more. So every star that lights up for children through reading illuminates the way to another glimmering, glistening star in the galaxy. And and brightness is born of knowledge and knowledge lights up in their brain and we all know that knowledge begets knowledge. So the more that's lit up, the more that can light up. And the ones, as in the children, the ones, 
the ones. They're all chosen ones if they come under our teaching wing, of course. And the ones who know most about the world, well, these children are the ones who comprehend the most. Yeah. And so we've gone wrong in the past, I think, and we've expected our little star sailors to mm-hmm. be able to know how to navigate this galaxy. And when they read and they're, and they're trying to take a leap in their thinking to draw down meaning, sometimes I think we've let them be hazy about it or or their thinking has been a bit foggy or murky yeah. and we've let them just sort of stay in that fog or the murk. And sometimes I think we've let them be too much out there like they've gone too beyond and we've kind of and we've said oh yeah that's all right as well and I'm like actually it's not about murky and it's not about oh going to infinity and beyond we need reading comprehension to be really precise Uh, and we need to show children I could talk about this for hours, I won't. But I think demonstration writing is going really well out there where children see the writer's brain really clearly when we do demonstrate. But I'll tell you what isn't going well is the reader's brain. We are not showing children how to think like a reader and to make thinking visible. And it's like the metacognition of that is, is too murky. And we need to teach children how to think and what to think about whilst reading to draw down meaning. And what I want to say is that if your school is trying to get children to walk into and around, and I'm sure you know about this as well, and you've heard me talk about it before, Heather, the um, reading house based on science by the Education Endowment Foundation. Um, I have worked so hard to get the science of reading comprehension and we're getting somebody on our podcast uh, down the line soon called um, Nathaniel um, who's going to help us with this journey even more Um, it's this idea of yeah we want children to walk into this house but I actually want children to take the roof off the house and see all the stars and then we guide these little star sailors our kids to know that books illuminate brightness and the more books they know about, deeply know about, it's like a cosmos of connections that are created by knowing how to read for meaning. Breathe. That was great. I like that. I really like that, Jane. I love the illuminating and the... The, uh, the um the sailors the star sailors yes and um it, i have got reading unit plans that are really trying to do that to try and sort of capture i'm really excited about these um they're out now and um in a weird way they couldn't have come before now because it's only now internationally have we got the right level of science on the go because we've been so yeah. busy working with phonics. Uh, I think our eye has been off for comprehension and we needed more science in the mix before 
we got something that was, you know, leads our way really with this type of teaching. So, yeah, if you want to find out more about those reading unit plans, go to janeconstein.com. And if you want to be trained on those reading unit plans, I've got an event coming up on the 12th of December. So if you can escape or get out of an, a nativity rehearsal, I don't know if they start by then, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Come and see me on the 12th of December. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nativity songs have got to be on your school playlist, haven't they? Well, they might be they, on yours. Not mine. Well, they get under your skin, don't they? You find yourself singing them in the shower and stuff like that. Oh, dear me. Oh, they sound absolutely exciting, those reading plans, Jane, intrigued to have a look see yeah 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 um so that could be a that could be a Cornwall moment you and me on a beach and a reading unit plan and uh you know lying down we'll be there a long time <laughs> and we can count the stars <laughs> nice um, okay okay <laughs> i'm not sure i don't know whether we're there yet um, all right you want okay. to go quickly now you'll put the bloody brakes on god <laughs> can't keep you happy oh mixed signals <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> Shall I go for my sentence? Will you? Will you? I like yours, Jane. That was really, really good. I know people are going to love that. So I picked on you a little bit last week for having a very unsnappy sentence the the week before. But I concede sometimes a longer, more serious sentence is required. Um, Mm. So my sentence this week is in relation to the education Policy Institute's annual report, um, and I, I'm, I'm taking the sentence from Jeff Barton, who is the General Secretary of the Association of School and College Leaders. Um, so here it is. It is desperately dispiriting news that not only has the attainment gap widened, but there has been no progress over the past decade in tackling the gap for the most disadvantaged children. Oh, Jane, it just breaks my heart that that's where we are and that we are not moving and shifting. You're talking about those reading units and us taking on the science and learning and moving and getting better. And yet you know a decade it's a long time for us not to have made any impact on this and 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 the report uh, you know has got some really you know sad sad findings in it about um our early years sen uh poverty you know the 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 rate of child poverty in the uk nearly 30 percent 30 percent of children living in poverty and and we're not actioning change and I think sometimes um on the podcast we are zooming into that classroom level maybe the middle and senior leaders level and we're, we're talking about those things that are you know our listeners can adapt and change and action but actually this is this is a zoom out moment isn't it this is looking outside of the school and it is looking at 
funding. It's looking about what the government is saying uh, that we have to do. And we have got to deal with these issues. We cannot have this gap staying the same and us not, you know, improving the lives of the, the our star sailors. You know, <laughs> basically, the funding has got to be right. Um, and whoever is in, you know, in government next needs to hurry up needs to hurry up and needs to deal with it and the our key yeah. stage one data came out this week and schools minister nick gibbs gibb said uh about using phonics it's been a key part of this government's focus on driving up school standards over the past 13 years and our children are now the best readers in the west Today's results reflect the hard work of our teachers and show strong progress as pupils continue to recover from the impact of the pandemic. And it's like, but but what what about the whole picture? Yeah. You know, as school leaders, we look yeah. at data, we look at trends over time, yeah. Yeah. And we we think about what we're going to do about it. And I just don't feel that that's happening at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Glimmer of hope moment at the Labour conference. Um, in Liverpool uh, last week, um, yeah. Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Phillipson yeah. um, was talking and said, talked about fundamentally resetting the relationship between government and our, our the teaching sector, um, and, her, and and that is so important. That's what's got to happen. You know, stop making these choices above. Yeah, ask the profession. Ask, you know the researchers yeah. and let's let's do something about yeah. this yeah, we yeah. have absolutely got to yeah. and it, you know yeah sorry passionate soapbox moment but it makes me sad jane yeah and and it's it's so crucial and did you know that that when you do a meta-analysis all the research of the things that are like I'm talking about like top of the charts that can have the biggest difference it's the results are togetherness togetherness as a on on a political level and a grassroots level and uh this this can um outweigh anything that the working together with a core drive that you can make a difference but if it's coordinated in that way politically down to school level um it is the most game-changing thing we can do but togetherness hasn't happened for so long and within that mix of um socio-economic deprivation uh you know you might have a guess at who's doing badly but the highest group there are our poor white boys and we've got to yeah. do something about it and it's urgent and let me tell you i am there at the top of the mountain celebrating that phonics has made a difference but it's not the only thing we have to make a difference with there is so exactly much that. so many more places we can go and there's so many th- more things we have to sort out and um you know, we've got to, we need to be on an urgent drive to give children knowledge because knowledge is power. So your work and my work and everybody else's work in the classroom that it's, that is about um, growing children's minds. Uh, we have to make sure that we get the emphasis right. 
So yeah. much to sort out. I think yeah. the most important word that you said then, Jane, was urgent. It is urgent and we need to see because change takes time doesn't it you know even yeah, yeah. The, the next government come in and bring these things we won't see the fruit of that and that's we're stuck with these um symptoms of the pandemic and it's going to take us a huge amount of time to yeah. recover that yeah. but this problem was there before it so it's even more magnified it's got to happen soon yeah. and to, yeah. and together I, yeah. I feel like we've never felt further apart yeah. um yeah mm -hmm. so that yeah that's why i've been thinking about this week yeah yeah i've been thinking about that in fact i'm so pleased you brought that to light i'm thinking about chucking some glitter over your heather <laughs> <laughs> Can you please make sure that it is biodegradable and eco-friendly? And I'd like it in purple and pink, please. Okay, honey. By the way, I've got my very um, eco-friendly trainers on. That, oh, God, I'm trying to show you them here. Wee, wee. You know, the ones are, they, are they actually the eco-friendly ones? Because since talking about your eco-friendly, but are they the leather ones? So they're not necessarily the vegan-friendly oh, ones. You were, you were nearly there, Jane. Um, I'm trying to right. save myself. Oh dear! Right, I feel seen. Every trying to trying to like uh, save the planet, I'll go and ruin it all by myself. <laughs> just me. Everybody makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Jane, we have an interesting guest on. Can Great. I tell you who this is? Yes, um, please. So we have invited on Craig McKee, who is an ex-head teacher who now provides services for school leaders. And we've invited him on to chat to us about something new that he has uh, worked on and launched, um, which is AI for SLT. Ooh. Ooh. Lead smarter, not harder. AI for school excellence. Mm. Well, let's have a chat with Craig then. Let's see what he's got to talk about. Let's bring him in. Hi, Craig. It's lovely to have you here. And um, we've got a few little things just to kind of suss out with you. I'm good. Well, thank you for having Well, I say thank you. We'll see if I uh, <laughs> stay the same at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll be kind with the first few questions. So we're talking all things AI. So for me, that kind of conjures up robots in films. So I was thinking if you had a robot in the classroom, what kind of things would you have this robot do for you, Craig? Oh, oh clear away the glue sticks. Find the scissors. Hoover up the Yeah, that would be really useful. Name the PE kit. You know, the job I used to do it. First PE lesson of every year, get your PE kit. Walk around with the Sharpie and make sure the names are in it. It could be really good for things like that. Yeah, God, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and talking of robots, if you had to choose between these two absolutely stunning films that include robots and you could go to the theater with all your friends and family and watch batteries not included or star wars what would you go for <laughs> i'm gonna put my hands up i haven't seen either 
What? Never watched the Star Wars. Um, and I've never seen Batches not included, I don't think. I think we were a bit more of a short circuit type family when I was younger. Also a fairly decent yeah, never... film, but Craig, I don't know if yeah, I can carry on with this thing. interview. I mean, I just feel like you haven't got enough <laughs> cultural capital, to be honest. My friends have all, all tried to almost have an intervention and get me to a Star Wars party, but no, I'm not up for it. I'm 43 and I, I've survived this far without seeing it. So I'll tell you what, that, that, that is a, a bit of a son of a Sorry. bitch of a shocking bit of information for me. I'm going to have to have a lie down. Yeah, you should have asked me these questions before and I could have given you a warning before dropping up that bombshell. Yeah, I wouldn't have invited oh, yeah. you on, mate. Put it that way. <laughs> Maybe I should just put it in my Twitter bio so that people can just avoid me from the beginning. Ah, <laughs> oh, you don't want to avoid you, Craig. Come on, Jane, give him a proper question. Okay, let's be serious. Right, Craig, if there was one thing that every teacher should know about AI... What do you think it is? Um, I think, I think as you said at the, at the beginning, it's um, it's definitely something that's going to help. But something that they've always got to have in mind, it's got limitations. It's absolutely got limitations. So it'll it'll take you eighty percent of the way there, but there's still some legwork to do. It's not going to do your job for you. Damn it! Oh, that's good to hear. Oh, but eighty no, percent is good. Jay. Yeah, that is good yeah. to hear. 80-20 work-life balance, is that what we're aiming for? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I had a little look at your website. So it's sltai.co.uk, is that right, Craig? That's it, yeah. Where you can help um, senior leaders lead smarter, not harder. And one thing uh, jumped out to me, it said, in the intricate realm of school leadership, every decision shapes the future of countless students and staff. SLT AI is here to ensure each choice you make is backed by cutting edge technology and data driven insights. And my kind of thoughts are just how you can explain to us where where do the human relationships and the human judgment and interaction fit in with that? I think it's uh, it's got to be used as a as a tool, hasn't it? And it, so it's not replacing your senior leadership team, but certainly when I was ahead and when I was a deputy, that the release time I had for actually leadership and management things was minimal. And I left in 2021. So I think in the way budgets are now, that would be even less. So I think it's so important to kind of support people. I found as a head, I spent a lot of time on compliance things that didn't necessarily have a tangible um, impact on teaching and learning. Super important, don't get me wrong. You know, your policy management and things like that is really important. But they take an awful lot of time that, I was in my office then. I wasn't out working with staff. I wasn't out working with pupils. Um, even things like your weekly newsletter. It's important to, to to kind of engage with your community and keep that information going. But it's it was a 20-minute, half-an-hour job, which was another 20 minutes, half an hour that I wasn't then working with children. So that's just one of the tools we offer. So you put in kind of things to celebrate, notices for parents, choose the tone, choose the word length, and it'll give you a newsletter. And then it's a case of spending five minutes editing it. Um so that you've got something to share and then you're out actually doing the things that we were trained to do. You know, I, I went to university and learned to be a teacher. Um, I didn't learn to be a manager, but that's that's what happens, isn't it? That's the way that the roles change. Um, so I don't think it replaces any of that, but certainly the other t- uh, the tools that might be things more like school improvement planning, lip set, things like that. Um, they're ideas. They don't know your school. So I'll be the first to tell you it doesn't know your school. 
Um, so it'd give you some suggestions, some you'll discount, some you'll keep, some you might not have thought of. But it might do a lot of the heavy listing in terms of the wording, because I can remember sitting writing these documents and you mess around with the wording. And you think, in the end, is it is it that important? I don't know. It's got to it, it's got to be clear. It's got to have actionable success criteria. You want to get an impact statement and things like that. And actually sitting, spending the time um, writing then takes a lot of time. So actually having something to refine is your twenty percent rather than the eighty percent it takes you in the beginning. So I still think it produced something. Um, that you'd share with your team, you know, so you still get that, you've got to have that personal element. And I certainly haven't designed any of the tools to give you something that looks like the finished project. So it'll give you a table, you can download it to a Word document, but it wouldn't be something that you could ever just give to your governors and nor would I want it to. You've got to read it. You know, that's the bad news. You've got to read it, you've got <laughs> to edit it. But it will get you a substantial amount of the, a substantial amount of the way there. And what we've also done is um, trained on the EEF documentation, subject reports, um, national curriculum, okay. Ofsted, things like the code of practice. So if you go to like chat GPT and you ask it something like what's section four of the SCND code of practice, it'll give you the wrong answer. Um, whereas if you go to my site, it'll give you the correct answer because I've explicitly given it that information that it'll then refer to when it gives you an answer. Okay. And is there a way for you, like you said, it doesn't know your school. Is it kind of um does it develop like your relationship with the ai as you do more and more newsletters does it kind of learn a bit of your voice and kind of the ethos of your school or do you still have to tweak those things no it's a really good question it doesn't at the moment but this is a website that's been going since i think i launched the first test in july and then okay. that was my kind of mvp my minimum viable product and i just wanted people to use it and we had two and a half thousand people sign up to use it. So I got so much feedback that it really shaped. It's very different to what I had in my head to what we've got today. Um, but of course, that's then been shaped by the way people used it. And there's a feature request site. So people send me emails and say, can it do this? And you can, well, it doesn't, but actually, no, I can do that quite quite quickly. So a lot of the tools that you see there are being based on a specific request. So it's been Brilliant. built around how people um, have wanted to do that. Um have I answered your question? I yeah, I think you have. Um, I was just reflecting there. Um, you know, when you hear people often say this, that technology, the world of, you know, out there of you know, AI is moving almost six times faster than we are on kind of real world planet. Mm. Uh, and um, it just feels like a kind of a tsunami of information at the moment. I mean, I feel overwhelmed as a teacher you know like if you want to you know do good imaging ai imaging go to this website if you want to do reporting go to this website if you want to do you know a specific writing go to this website and uh you know on instagram you know it's like your top 100 ai websites <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah. my goodness yeah. <laughs> you know my brain has already exploded um but what what do you see as kind of your sort of it's almost like this interface isn't it your role here of kind of mediating what we need in the teaching profession you know what do you what are you doing every day to kind of curate that for us I suppose Craig yeah I think I think you've hit the nail on the head I think that's going to be the boom I mean, you are seeing this wave it's almost like an industrial revolution time isn't it yeah um, and I think people will do what we've done here they'll 
take that chat GPT model, because that's what we use, but we train it with certain information so that it'll give our school leaders an evidence-based reply. So I think that's what you'll find now happens in all industries. They'll give it more specific information so that the users, consumers can get a better quality answer. So I think as, as things develop, that's how it will go forward now. Uh, so from my point of view, the kind of middleman job that I do is try and present it in or present something that's easy for school leaders to use and it gives them something specific that they want. So they haven't got to go away and feed in a lot of information and then ask, kind of lay out the specific questions or how they want it to work. Um, and I should have said before, actually, in terms of getting to know your school, it does kind of refer to the school by name. It will refer to the role and things. And it's a, it's a good point about saving those conversations. One of the limitations is that it has a what it's called a token limit and it's actually relatively small. So things like um, the longer documents, you've got to feed into it in chunks. So it won't ever think of a document in its entirety. So that that is one of the limitations. I think will improve because it's in its infancy. Yeah. Um, but it you might notice on chat GPT if you actually ask a few follow-up questions, it kind of forgets the thread. Yeah. And it'll lose kind of okay. context from the beginning. Oh, that's so interesting. That's I didn't a, notice that's that. That's quite myself. a limitation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I always you have think to get it's about... Baby. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I think it's also interesting, isn't it, where AI has moved to that place where, you know, they'll produce something very impressively quickly. But then I think the next nuanced um, interactions with AI is like, can you humanise that? And I often think, well, can AI sort of replicate a stressed, wanting to leave, probably inebriated teacher who's on the edge who wants to go to Tesco? Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> I think it could. Yeah, yeah. I discourage mine from doing that, but I think it could. Um, yeah, you're definitely right, and it is—it's getting that, that personality. But this is why you, um, people have just got to go in with their eyes wide open. That it will give you ninety percent of everything that will give you will be brilliant, and it will give you a leg up. But ten percent will be nonsense. You know, I'll tell you, there's forty days in a month. So yeah, we we tried to make a key stage two data analysis tool where you put in your percentages and then it'd say, well, these are your strengths for your Seth, and then these are potential targets for your SIP, um, and it worked really well apart from greater depth when it had, you know, three out of ten times, four out of ten times, it had return that ten percent. You've done better than national at ten percent, but national's twenty five, which is absolutely incorrect. So you think it's something that it should be able to accurately compare two numbers, but I. I don't know what it was that it couldn't do it. And, and it will get better as newer versions are released. But that's something that um, school leaders, teachers need to be aware of using any of these tools that to sense check it, you know. And that's why we've, we've tried to be quite explicit with SLTAI that it will give you the source of the information. So if it gives you some suggestions from the EF, it tells you what document it is. So it takes, so at least school leaders know where they can get that kind of um clarification or confirmation is a better word. So Craig, we don't want you to think that Jane and I are Luddites or Philistines. You mentioned the Industrial Revolution. We don't want to throw out the looms, but we are aware that some teachers may be fearful of AI, not understand it. So I thought I'd ask my Twitter X community with a bit of a poll. Um, just ask them, have you used AI as a teacher yet? So um, so we got 42% said, yes, it's great. I thought that was quite high, yeah. 4% uh, said, yes, I've used it. 
but it's not for me. Um, and then we had 34% that said, no, I, I don't know how to use it. Um, and 20% that said, no, I don't want to. It's a no for me. So if we're speaking to those people who are fearful or are going, no, uh, can you allay any fears about AI or bust common myths? I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that 24% of, of teachers want a, a larger workload, if I'm honest. <laughs> you know, that's the surprise. No, I don't. But um, I think the thing is, it's, it's no different to the internet, is it? It's no different to the computer. Um, you know, things get more time, and this is just another tool to support you. I saw an interesting post on Twitter, actually. It said, AI hasn't taken your job. Someone using AI has. And I think that's exactly it. And it alludes to what I said earlier, um, that this will just be used to reduce that admin and give people more time to actually focus on teaching their lessons. As a, as a bit of an aside, when I was ahead, we got rid of written marking. And I thought my teachers would go home earlier. They didn't. They stayed in school just as long. But what I found is I would walk around at the end of the day and they'd be in each of those classrooms and um, talk about what went well, what they were going to adapt the next day. So teachers have a finite amount of time to spend. And if actually you can give them a bit of a leg up to do part of that admin, they'll spend that same amount of time, but then they'll focus on doing something else. So, you know, it's a tool that needs to be used, that needs to be embraced, really. And it's no different to using a photocopier rather than, a, I forget, the old machines that they used to or use. Or a bandograph. To, 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 that's it, you know. It's, it's exactly like that. No different lesson plans on the internet. You know, it's it's the way it's changed. When I, I trained to teach in 2006, I graduated, um, and the, the internet wasn't really used. It was old QCA folders, um, you know, paper national curriculum. It's changed a lot since then, and it will change still moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's enthusiasm rich teachers but time poor teachers is 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 got to be the focus i just wanted to clarify one thing because there's one thing that really irritates me when the dfe updates the documents that's pages and pages and pages long and then release an update on a sunday the sunday of the mm -hmm. half term um and they don't tell you which bits have been updated can ai do that can it just highlight for me the bits that are updated it could it could tell you the difference between things and it can tell you the um it can refer to the newer document so you can ask it for a summary of things um and again that's why we've said on ours um quote your source so people know where the information's come from. So Kitsy, we've trained it on Kitsy 2023. So if you ask it a question about that, it would give you an up-to-date answer. So it's things like Brilliant. that. But then still check Kitsy. But it will point you in the right direction. It'll tell you where it is in the document. But go and check. I saw someone because we can see what people ask, ask our AI tool for. And we can see the response. It's a bit of quality assurance. But it also helps tailor then the tools on the side because I can see the kind of thing people are asking. Um, but I saw a user would ask, can a teacher request a DBS certificate? And it said, yes, they can. They can't. Well, technically they can. They can go to their school and say, can you get me a certificate? But they've got to do it through a school. Whereas the question I would have interpreted as a human as, can I as a teacher, an unemployed teacher then, can I go and yeah. request a DBS? And the answer would be no. A school has to do it for you. But technically, yeah. I can request it of my employer. So it, it did give you a factually correct answer, but it wasn't the right answer. 
and nuance. Yeah. Mm. I, I'm hoping <laughs> if uh, I get used to AI and I have more time, I, my question is, Craig, will I be able to fit in an affair? No, it's not. That's not my real question. With me, your podcast yeah, wife. Exactly. Um, oh, no, my um, my. <laughs> Were you going to have an affair aside from me, Jane? Another podcast? Oh, I wasn't going what. to say anything about technology to enhance your love life. <laughs> I think there's things for that already, actually, but I'm not sure AI is it. <laughs> oh, I think we've digressed. Bring we've it digressed. Back. Bring it back, Jane. I will bring it back. Right. I would love from you, Craig, as your last message for me and for everybody about to embark on this AI journey can you kind of sum up kind of a crystal clear kind of positive first thing I should do uh to kind of discover AI what is one of the things where you did it for the first time and it your jaw dropped you know it was really impressive and kind of would be a good thing for me to do to be like yeah I'm convinced it's uh, for me it's the admin side You'd spend a lot of time, letters to parents, presentations to parents, things like that. Now that I'm not working in school, it's emails to my customers and things. And actually, with minimal information, you say, my website does this. I'd like to reach out to head teachers. I'd like to explain these tools. In an email, and it goes, done. Lovely. And then it takes you two or three minutes to edit, to look for. One of the tools we've added is a parent communication. So you simply click, is it a letter or a presentation? What are the main points you want to make? And that's it. And then it'll either write the letter for you or outline a presentation and say, here's an introduction. Here's the main part. It'll take you five minutes for this, 10 minutes for this. This is what you need to talk about. And it's those kind of things that you'd, you would have toiled over for hours, hours for, a, you know, half an hour parent meeting it would have taken you hours to plan it. I remember when I first planned my first staff meeting, you know, I must have spent about three weeks doing it for about 45 minutes. So just things like that are huge time savers. Absolutely. And I think we've always got to consider, you know, uh, planning and preparation time versus delivery time. Um, And I think you're right, Craig, AI will really support with that. Oh, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Um, I am so sorry that you've never seen Star Wars or batteries not included, (laughs) but I'll, I'll send you forth with your homework, young man, uh, (laughs) to go and watch those films. Just okay. ask AI to do a summary of them for you. I'll ask it if it's worth watching and see what it comes back with. <laughs> Lovely chatting to you, Craig. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Well, thank you, Craig. That that was great. And um, Jane, I don't want AI to take the place of reading aloud. I think Wonder of Words is one of my favourite sections of, of our podcast. Um, and I, I, um, I wanted to share something just before I let you loose on wooing me with your words. Um, the Book Trust family survey this week, um, you can find it on Book Trust. We will share the link in the show notes Um shared some findings that show what a difference it makes when children are read to by lots of different people. And it calls them reading influencers. How nice Mm, is that? So they could be parents, siblings, grandparents, teachers, trusted people in those children's lives. Um, And making sure that, that children get to hear 
uh, being read aloud to. So I feel like our Wonder of Words section is, um, is our bit of reading influencing. Yeah. So what are you going to read to me this week, Jane? Well, uh, on that count of, um, you know, reading influencers, um, I was working in a school um, in Daventry who they were on the same site, so it was easy to organise, but they used to invite secondary school pupils who were ex-pupils to come and read in assemblies and uh, in classrooms you know so they were 14 15 but you know um it was really good to have role models that age to promote reading love Um, that yeah um yeah i'm going to read from uh this book um lion boy uh from uh zizu corda and uh before i read it how (laughs) It's a strange one. This book came into my mind um, by um, a weird association uh, because I found out this week that in French, uh, a bookworm is called an ink drinker. Oh, I like that. An ink drinker. And um, there was this moment in a book where there is a focus on ink, but the ink is actually blood. So uh, early on in the story, um, Charlie's mum has just hurt herself uh, and she's cut herself on her shin because she's fallen off a ladder. And what I love about Charlie's mum when this happens, because Charlie just looks at her like, why have you done that? This is crazy. And And she said exact words, clever people can do stupid things. I feel like this is my life <laughs> motto. <laughs> this is the story of my life. Oh dear. Backwards compliment for me there. Uh, so she's lying She's lying on the floor, mum, with a, with a, a cut in her shin. And um, I love this part of the story. It's very strange. Uh, but Charlie can feel that there's an atmosphere, something's changing in his life. And adults seem to be pointing in words uh, about responsibility and big stuff. And um, I just love how this gets a little bit uncomfortable and is a reminder to us that reading raises questions and it's the tension that's created that makes us want to read on so she's on the floor and she's got a cut on her shin and this is what she says bring me a pen and paper she said suddenly charlie fetched one of the strong swirling glass pens that they use for every day and the and an envelope bring me some proper paper she said and he and he bought over a piece of heavy, clean parchment. Mum pulled herself up, and as she did so, the movement made the blood bubble a little more from her shin. She took no notice. Instead, she lifted her leg and laid it along the kitchen table, as if she was doing yoga. The parchment lay on the kitchen table too. And Mum took the Venetian pen and cautiously dipped it into the beading blood of her wound. Charlie stared. Don't worry, she said to him. I've just thought of something I've been meaning to do for a while. He still stared. Mum started to write by dipping the sharp little nib 
in her deepest kutch and she had enough blood to write a full, elegant paragraph and a signature. What is it? He asked, feeling a little ill. You'll know soon enough, she said. She flapped the parchment gently and watched the scarlet turn to delicate brown. And it looked like a magical text, an ancient spell, a decree by some all-powerful and long-dead king or queen. I'm putting it up here, she said. She rolled it up, tied it quickly and popped it behind the photo of her on her honeymoon. And Charlie, here she stopped and looked at him, her blue eyes sure and clear. If you need to go anywhere, take it with you. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm captivated, Jane. I know. I like it. I like the ink drinker as well. But oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was good. Oh well, I've I've gone for. Um, picture book for my mm. wonder of words this week and it's called words and your heart by oh. kate jane neal uh, and she's written all of the beautiful words and uh, done all of the beautiful illustrations um you should check out kate's stuff because she does lots of schools work that goes with these books called the culture of the heart um and she's given me a lovely school's edition and given me permission to read the whole thing. So that's that's what I'm going to do for you, Jay. Love it. I will try my best to show you the gorgeous illustrations as well. Oh, it's figuring out where the camera is. This Love book it. is about your heart, the little bit inside of you that makes you you. Will you listen? very carefully because it's really important and it might help you be a happier you and the people around you be a happier them you see the words that go into your ears can actually affect your heart the little bit inside of you that makes you you. Your words can do amazing things. They can describe things if they are big or if they are little. They can explain stuff so you understand that it goes whiz, whoosh, boom, or spin, tingle, pink. Words can make you happy and make you want to sing la but sometimes words can make us cry we all know mm. what sort of they are you see some words can be like a deadly arrow that can pierce someone's heart the little bit inside of them that makes them them and sometimes words can really hurt. Words have power. Dun, dun, dun. Your words can actually change the way someone's heart feels. If someone feels sad, your words can cheer them up. If someone feels weak, 
your words can help them feel stronger. If someone wants to give up, your words can help them keep going. Make them giggle, make them grin, make them laugh out loud and roll around. Do you get it? Your words are amazing and powerful. How about we use our words to spread the love? Let's try together and see the difference it makes. Today, somebody's world can be a better place because of you. Oh, we're really good at getting mushy, aren't we, Heather? Ah, oh, there's a lot of love in the air, Jane. Yeah, that is gorgeous. <laughs> I've, I've got, um, it's, it's something probably you only learn as you get older that kind of, in many ways, the power of words. And as you were reading that, my daughter, Ella, has taught me two words that I just really, really love that I now have adopted myself. And when I'm raging or sad or upset or, you know, explaining things that I haven't got my head around or processed yet, she always just says, it's so perfect. She says, it's okay. I love that. It's, it's okay. like a no, it's like a no judgment, but it's a really kind, it's okay. It's like a listening to words mm -hmm. and she's a great listener, my daughter. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Mm. I think it's so important that we get kids, first of all, to understand and be able to have the words to navigate their own feelings because then they're going to be like Ella. They're going to be able to understand and comprehend and interpret other people's feelings and, and, and know, know the moment to say, it's okay. Yeah. I think we've oh. done okay today, haven't we? I think we have. Have you got a good weekend? Yeah. Well, I'm um, I'm in Wolverhampton tomorrow. Wolverhampton. Uh, and we're um, <laughs> writing some planning. We've got uh, lots of teachers and we're doing some nitty gritty right stuff unit planning. And we're working with the most gorgeous book. I love this book so deeply. Don't ask me who the author is because she's floated from my brain. But do you know this picture book? It's called The Library Lion. Oh. Yes. Oh, and the name's floated from my brain. Oh, we'll find out. Yeah, oh, that we'll sounds find exciting. And it's yeah. not a big drive. No, not a big drive. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. What are you doing, love? Well, I've got a big journey. I'm heading heading out the Cornish County. I'm off to Milton Keynes. Ooh. Um, oh, very excited about this, Jane. I've been invited to a reading symposium. What? And it's all about bang, up-to-date research uh, and it's at uh, the Open University and the UKLA. And I've uh, been invited by uh, Professor Teresa Kremin. Oh. Uh, so I can't wait to what tell you yeah. what I have learned. That's going to yeah. be so, so good. That is an honour. And you do know, don't you, that there's lots of roundabouts in Milton Keynes? <laughs> well, it's okay because I am not the designated driver. Yes. Um, a wonderful head teacher, Simon Pollard, is is coming with me as well. So he's Aww. chauffeuring. So Aww. there'll be lot, lots of butt blether along the way. I tell you what, yeah. we'll be chatting mostly about what? our children's uh, book festival, yeah. uh, St. Austell Children's Festival of Literature. So that's what we'll be chatting about and all the Please. amazing 
authors and illustrators that we're getting down here next summer. Yeah, please, please take notes from me on all the scientific nuggets and share the top five most powerful things we need to know uh, next time we meet. I will be scribbling away, Jane, scribbling away. Good girl, love that. So, um, well, Heather, it's uh, Heartburst. From Jane and Big Love. From Heather. Can't wait to see you soon. See you next week, everyone. See you next week.